everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. So if y'all want to get crazy, we can get crazy. It's alive, it's alive, it's alive. Welcome to the Two Dudes Movie Reviews Halloween Special. Do you want to play a game? Be afraid. Be very afraid. Now, here's your hosts, Sky and Colin. Here's Johnny. Hey, moviegoers. You're listening to Two Dudes Movie Reviews with Sky and Colin. Now, who can take a sunrise and sprinkle it in dude? <laughs> the Candyman can. <laughs> sprinkle it in uh, dude. You know, you know what I'll do? Who can take a sunrise? Mm-hmm. Sprinkle it with dude. <laughs> what it, what does dude consist of when you sprinkle it? Oh, if you're trying to sprinkle dude? Yeah. Um, let me think. Let me think. Definitely sweat. Sweat. Blood. Blood. Tears. Tears. But in a different blood, sweat, tears for fears. For fears. Yeah, Tears for Fears, definitely a very doodly band. And pubes. Yes, definitely pubes. If you don't have pubes, guess what? You're not a man. <laughs> and if you do have pubes, you are a man. <laughs> I was thinking, and if you do have pubes, shave. <laughs> yeah, shave, you Sasquatchian fucking, you Sasquatch genital fuck. <laughs> I'm going to go to Trader Joe's and just go to the spice section. There's going to be a dude shaker. Yeah. <laughs> right there. Yeah. And if you have, um, what is that? Is that alopecia where you lose all your hair, like totally bald everywhere? Sure. Yeah. The, the, you're the only um, outlier in that rule. Like you can still be a dude if you have that because that's not your fault. Yeah. And I guess it's not your fault if you're a child, but kids can't be dudes. We've, we've already established this. It's, yeah, it's a rule. There's been it's a lot of rule. children that have that have asked us if they could watch our show, and we've told them to fuck off. Yeah, well, nobody can watch our show because this is an audio platform. Or you could stare at the. We're on YouTube, bro. Yeah, We're on YouTube, but we aren't on YouTube. You can't see us. You just can see our voice patterns. It's true. It's funny. I uh, I actually went on our YouTube last night. Uh, actually, and. The only full episode we have on there, we might have the butt boy episode on there, but I know the only one that we have like fully is the f- first episode ever, the Creed two one. Yeah. And, uh, I was listening to it and it's a, it's a time capsule. I'm not even saying that like in a bad way. I was just listening to it and it's so much different. And we're like, why don't we uh, introduce ourselves to the people? Oh, well, my profession is a 3D animator. And then now we're just like, cock and balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was all a lot of uh, a lot of pretense there in that first episode. We're just like, this is who we are. This is what we're about. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> now that you know what's up. And it's funny, too, because like you would think almost we should do a semi introduction to like what the show is every episode. Cause every episode is somebody's first episode. You know what I mean? Like people don't mm-hmm. jump in on podcasts all the time by going by the first one, especially cause like this is like a, not like a, 
continuing series where it's like, oh, we're picking up where we left off in the storyline in the next episode. It's just like, you know, if you discover us because we're doing Candyman and you saw the movie and you're just looking for reviews on Candyman, this might be your first episode. And you're like, who the fuck are these jokers? <laughs> you might be going, you might be listening to the Joker review and go, oh, that's one Joker. Now I know who that Joker is, but who are the other two Jokers talking about Joker? Because <laughs> I'm the Joker. I'm the Joker. I'm a midnight Joker. <laughs> Unfortunately, whenever I hear that song, I'm reminded of the Love Guru. Oh, I don't know. Mike Myers' movie, the one that ruined his career the most. Well, no, I know that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But I don't know the reference. Oh, they, they sing it, of course, because... There's like multiple songs in The Love Guru. Listen, every great comedy is also a backdoor musical. It's true. I think. I don't know. Yeah. Just agreeing with you. (laughs) So we can move on from Love Guru. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe if I agree, we can stop it. What was the movie that killed him? Was it it The Love Guru or was it The Cat in the Hat? I think Cat in the Hat was basically like his career got hit by a bus and he was on the side of the road, like twitching, like he was gonna die. Like it was guaranteed he was gonna die. His career, that is. And then, like, a nice farmer who was driving by saw him and shot him in the head to take him out of his misery. And <laughs> love that's Love Guru. guru. <laughs> the Love Guru is the, the local farmer who, who put him out Mis- of his pain and misery. <laughs> Put a slug between the eyes. I I think it's he pops in and like the most random things like like now. I think he is trying to do Austin Powers four, but I always forget. Like every time I watch Inglorious Bastards and he shows up, I'm like, what? <laughs> Mike Myers? <laughs> and then he showed up in uh, Bohemian yeah. Rhapsody, and uh, it's just weird. Like I think he's like been like I got to get away from some of that stuff. I'll do a few more like dramatic roles, and it's just like I can't unsee him play like all of his characters at this point yeah yeah um i really don't know (laughs) i I think if he does make a comeback he shouldn't revisit characters i also don't know if like his style of comedy would really work as well in like a modern setting like i don't think necessarily all of his like characters are quite timeless or, or withstand the test of time you know like yeah i think he's our um austin powers i mean that first movie is a fucking classic mm-hmm. like absolute classic but the jokes they're not very highbrow and i don't think it was strong enough to really survive all the way through three movies i think the second movie was was good it was a good sequel the third movie in hindsight is not great but at the time I thought it was great because I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> but you can definitely see like the uh, degradation of that trilogy as it goes on. I feel like it doesn't have the staying power that would warrant a revisit unless you're doing something really fresh and new. Because now it almost seems like it's so, like part of the fun, the the humor of the movie. The original one was like he was frozen in like the 60s or the 70s or whatever. And he came back in like like 20 years later in the nineties, late nineties. And it's like, Whoa, so much has changed in this amount of time. Now I feel like it, even if he was stuck in the nineties, it would feel weird and out of place in current times. You know what I mean? Like now that he's been unfrozen and he's been 
living in current times. Like I feel like you're losing some of that, um, you know, like, whoa, what's all this going on? I'm not used to this. Like, this is a, this is a whole new world to me. This is out of my element. It's like, I'm in the future. Cause like, you know, now he's, he's been around long enough to like watch this shit happen. You know, uh-huh. it's just like, uh, they reboot it where he was frozen, but he comes back in modern day. And he like walks out and immediately they're just like, you're canceled. <laughs> and the movie ends. That's basically what should happen. <laughs> Sex fucking maniac. <laughs> you're like, you're like, I don't, some of the jokes aren't, aren't uh, like timeless I, in my head. I'm just like, what? You don't like the part where fat bastard tells mini me that he has bigger pieces of corn in his crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Timeless to you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here. All right. I got a little, little fanfic for you. Austin powers four. Okay. He has to, Okay, I don't have a plot. All I know, all I know is something. You have a pun. <laughs> not, not even. Something happens, and it's basically like the uh, the Mike Myers multiverse. Oh, okay. And it's him and his characters, and the villain of the movie is played by Adam Sandler, and it's okay. And it's essentially like an Endgame kind of like Infinity War battle between Adam Sandler and the Sandler verse versus the Mike Myers verse. Okay. And then like Lauren Michaels from Saturday Night Live comes like a lot to the watcher and settles it. And be like, you're both my prodigies. You can't be fighting like this. <laughs> you know, SNL made the two of you. Yeah. And then Eddie Murphy comes by and he's like, Shrek! Because <laughs> he, yeah, he was in, it's a Mike Myers movie. Oh, Shrek comes and Shrek has such like meme ability now. Oh yeah, you know, you know what's like, crazy? Shrek is at like the apex of like its meme ability right now. Like, Shrek was a big deal when it came out in two thousand one, and yeah, like I mean, the first one's awesome. The first one's great. I still like the first one. But then, like, I remember me, everyone in school was just like, "Oh, Shrek's so great!" And then the second one came out, and we were like, "It was fun, but not great." And then after that, it was just like, "You're killing Shrek." And then for the longest time, it was like, "Shrek sucks." And then the memes started yeah. happening. Now it's like Shrek is back on top in some way where it's like everyone loves Shrek again. Yeah. And then I think it was, I think it was like this week universal announced like we're getting rid of the Shrek ride. <laughs> it's gone. So I think like over. the next like week or two is like the last week you can actually ride the Shrek ride. But uh, so it's like of all the times to get rid of Shrek, you, you got rid of him when he's in every TikTok video. Right. What are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, how do we? Why are we talking about Shrek right now? <laughs> what are we doing? We're here talking about Candy Man. Park. <laughs> what? I just had a moment of clarity. I'm like, how? How are we talking about Shrek? Well, for the trailer park, we're talking Shrek Five. <laughs> is there a new Shrek coming out? Oh, if the five is the S in Shrek, then I'm here <laughs> yeah. for it. We're actually doing um the Shrek Christmas special called Shrek the Halls. We're doing that. Ooh, Shrek the Halls. Merry Shrek Miss. <laughs> we wish you a Merry Shrek Miss. We wish you a Merry Shrek Miss. Scared Shrekless. That's the Halloween one. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> he he's living he's living with a Shrekless abandon. It's it's funny because you, I think you think that I'm joking, but these are real. <laughs> Wait, really? Yeah. This is yeah. Shrek the Halls. <laughs> Shrek the Halls and scared Shrekless. <laughs> No way. Yeah. 
Yeah. What the Shrek is going on, man? <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, man. But seriously, what are we talking today? Listen, everybody knows that when you're talking Candyman, new Candyman, modern day Candyman, mm-hmm. and you have a movie podcast where you discuss movies and you you do reviews for movies and then you also discuss trailers. <laughs> If we're going to talk about Candyman in our review, there's only one movie trailer that makes sense to do along with this. Yeah. And I think I think any Swampy, as soon as you click on the episode, you're like, shit, I'm excited for this Candyman review, but I know exactly what trailer they're going to do in the trailer park. So super hyped for that. And like it's coming soon. To a theater near you, near you and possibly streaming, uh, I think. <laughs> or this might just be in theaters. I think it's only in theaters. It's only in theaters? Yeah, I think so. Okay, that's a good hint. I mean, I know what it is, but... Oh, so you don't know what it is? I thought you were like... <laughs> no, I know what it is. Uh, oh, okay. But that is a good hint for anyone who doesn't know. Like, if you're a new listener... Or like you're brand new to movies, you've never seen a movie before. Yeah, have no idea. Like obviously, only an idiot couldn't put together. Like oh, they're reviewing Candyman, so like clearly they're gonna do this other movie. Uh-huh. And because Candyman, of course, is a movie, uh-huh. as we all know and understand. So, boom, you got that in common. What else has it got in common? There's actors in it. <laughs> There's a director behind it. They used cameras, which honestly, pretty provocative and uh, innovative. Do, do you need me to bail you out? <laughs> no, bail me out. Come on. We're talking Candyman today. <laughs> it's a movie. There's a trailer for a movie that's coming soon that only makes sense to do because we're talking Candyman. Mm-hmm. And we just talked about this on the phone like less than 20 minutes ago so like that's gonna be like you're shot <laughs> <laughs> so like i know what it is and what the, is it uh, anybody listening would know what it is too yeah because like we're talking candy man today oh my god and fuck <laughs> last night in soho <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what does that have to do? Can't do. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what it, the connection is. Right. In in typical two dudes fashion, the connection on this one is the yeah. MCU, baby. Oh yeah. Because Edgar Wright is directing Last Night in Soho, and he wrote Ant Man, and Nia DaCosta directed. Candyman, and she is going to direct the Marvels. Let's go. Right. (laughs) And that's how you do a connection. Well, I knew that. So (laughs) thanks. Thanks for. Thanks for ruining my wasting all of our time, (laughs) Colin. (laughs) I I had such a sweet intro plan and you just had to ruin it. Yeah, dude. Just stepping on my fucking toes. If you if you know so much, then uh, why don't you ever tell the people what we're doing in the trailer park? I don't know. I don't know. There's that's just become a thing. It, there's things that have become things in this show that, like, 
I would say they happened organically, but it like you ended the first episode with suck it losers. And then we're just like, really? We're like, yeah, let's just leave it. We're lazy. And that's 150 episodes later. Yeah. <laughs> Still, it's there. Well, no, I've updated. I've updated it. It's uh, suck at swampies yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, sometimes it is suck at losers. Yeah, I honestly don't care. We can change that at any time. No, you can't. It's, it's timeless now. <laughs> yeah, timeless. <laughs> I'm going to use that now. Actually, about- the way that you requested your listeners to suck it is like really damaging. Mm-hmm. Dam- damage like the Joker, like the Jared Leto Joker. I think I think your podcast is like super toxic, like Britney Spears toxic. Oh, yeah. And I'm slipping under. Mm hmm. Hashtag free Britney. But yeah, last night in Soho, as I said, it just makes sense. I'm excited to see it. I am. I'll tell you what, like back before COVID everything, we did our top five movies for 2020 and this was, I think, three for me. I was really excited for it. And then. Obviously, it got pushed back. It got pushed back way far. Way back. We didn't even get a trailer for... Yeah, like when, when I was excited for... We didn't have a trailer. We didn't have much. All we knew that it was a horror movie from Edgar Wright, and it was going to have Thomas and McKenzie and Anya Taylor-Joy in it. And I was like, sign me up, because I love Edgar Wright, and those two actresses are awesome. Yeah. And we got the trailer. This trailer's been out for a minute. We got this trailer maybe, I don't know, like two months ago. And... uh Man, it it looks really cool. I don't really know what it is, but just the aesthetic of the movie. And I mean, Edgar Wright, whether he's a writer or a director, he kills it. Uh, Christy Wilson Cairns, she's the other writer on this movie. And she was a writer on 1917. And uh, just in general, there's really not much involved in this movie that raises a red flag for me. If this movie's bad, I'm going to be very surprised and legitimately upset <laughs> like, oh, yeah. if, if this is bad or if dune is bad i'm gonna be it's gonna be a rough time because i've i've hyped myself up high for this one me too dude especially with dune because like i've been been reading the book and, and now i have all of the uh, action figures from the movie yeah. you're setting up your, your, your figures the other day and i was like what what if the movie's shitty and you come back from seeing Dune and you just open up your front door and there's just all the figures staring you in the face? Like, Yeah, I'm going to be like, all right, cool. Um, I'll just like hide them in a corner and be like, we don't talk about them. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, Edgar Wright's done stuff in horror, but it's usually horror, comp- like Shaun of the Dead. Um, so I know the genre of this is labeled as uh, like drama horror i don't think there's there's any comedy to this so i am very interested to see how he's gonna pull that off but we've seen a lot of people like going back to Candyman because we were really great at our ties uh you know we've seen a lot of people who come from a comedy background who take on horror and nail it like jordan peele did with us and get out or uh like john krasinski with a quiet place and stuff so i'm i'm really looking forward to this i have faith do you want to just watch the trailer yeah Let's hit it. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got troubles, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown. 
Already, I'm loving like the look and the feeling behind this, like the tone and just how like eerie the music is with it. Oh, and this right here with the mirror. Yeah. And that music comes in too. Also, there's no dialogue in this trailer. It's all just feel and, and visuals. in this trailer. I love the mystery in this. what it is but it looks awesome <laughs> uh, so cool yeah it i think that perfectly nails it it just looks weird and awesome <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm into i love how moody the trailer is both in like the music and like the look of it the lighting how like weird and kind of sinister like some of these characters really like look and i feel like so much is translated just by the imagery in the trailer that you need. I think not having dialogue in it is so cool because there is all of this mystery around it. You're seeing these things, but you have no real understanding of like what's going on. Like it just shows you the weirdness and that there is some sort of supernatural thing happening here. But yeah, you know, that begs questions about like, I wonder if this is about maybe her character is like, having some kind of mental breakdown, maybe some like St. Maud situation where she's like hallucinating things like that. Maybe there is this supernatural thing happening. And then the only line that's in it is, do you believe in ghosts? That's all it said. And um, yeah, there's just a, uh, just a feeling surrounding the movie or at least the trailer that it's just like ominous and eerie. And yeah, I'm just like really eager to like, find out what this movie's all about. Yeah. Thomas and McKenzie's character is a aspiring fashion designer. I'm pretty sure. And I'm kind of almost wondering again, if this is a little bit Candyman esque, there's an art aspect to it where they get inspired by something. And I, we don't know. It looks like she goes back in time because the feeling of it, it looks like the 1960s. Um, I'm wondering if like originally she becomes inspired by like her ability to go back and, and experience these things in a different time. And then shit gets out of control. But again, we don't know anything. It doesn't explain anything. We don't know if that's actually, if she's going back in time or if these are just dreams or if Anya Taylor-Joy's character is something that she experienced in like a past life. Like, 
this could go in so many different directions, which is why I like the trailer so much. They they literally don't give you anything other than this movie's gonna look amazing and <laughs> and it's weird. And I feel like more trailers should be like this, but I feel like that doesn't sell movies. Right. But yeah, I I'm sure we'll get one sooner, like in the next like month or so before this movie comes out. That'll explain more, but this is cool. Yeah. This this is like spot on like a perfect trailer for the things that we like and uh what we kind of like to to see from a trailer is is that that mystery don't give us too much get us excited about less like kind of like less is more like i'm so excited because one we love Edgar right we love the people the uh, the actors involved, like Anna Taylor Joy is amazing. Thomas and McKenzie, we really loved from Jojo Rabbit. Less so old, but old is not her fault. No. <laughs> and um, and that gets us excited. But then when you see things like like the style that's on screen just from the trailer and then getting a taste of like the music in this, like I'm sure that's going to feed into the score. And Edgar Wright is great with his music choices. He's another one like James Gunn where the soundtrack is just as important as the score and it is, uh-huh. is also a major part of the movie itself. We saw that the most with baby driver, but he's done that. in like all of his, you know, uh, Scott Pilgrim was very much like that. Shaun of the dead is very much like that. So, um, yeah, like I'm just excited on so many levels for this. And I think this trailer is just selling it for me even more. Uh, October is going to be awesome. It better be awesome. Like I, I have high hopes you got anything else? Uh, I don't. Let's get the fuck out of here. It's spooky. Ew. <laughs> Why is it stinky? <laughs> it's spooky in here. Ooh. Oh, you said spooky. I thought you said stinky. Oh, it's stinky. Stinky ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Then. Weird flex, but okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I'll tell you what. I've been waiting for a minute to talk about this. I've been very excited to talk about Candyman. Yeah, you've been waiting way longer than me. I saw it late, but even for me, I saw this a couple weeks ago already. Yeah, it'll definitely be fresher for you. I saw this three times on opening week, <laughs> but I wow. haven't seen it since. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've been waiting. Nia DaCosta, she is the director on this movie. Like I said, uh, she's going to be helming the Marvels and then a movie that came out in 2018 that I think was on um, our list for that year. If you go back uh, little woods with Tessa Thompson, uh, she was the director of that movie. She is also a writer on this movie along with Jordan Peele, which I think when we did the trailer park for this movie, we were just like, Oh, Jordan Peele's a producer on it, but he's actually like a writer and yeah, we know how great of a writer he is. Also, I just think that's awesome because Candyman is one of his favorite movies of all time. So you have a person involved uh, in the writing process of this movie that knows the lore, uh, knows what makes those movies great and what they, why people like them so much. And uh, and then Wynn Rosenfeld is the other writer on this movie, and he um, was a writer with Jordan Peele on the Twilight Zone. And uh, this is his first movie, though. So as far as the cast goes, uh, relatively small, but a lot of people I really like. Uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen, he plays Anthony. Tiana Paris, she plays Brianna. 
Nathan Stewart, Jerry, he plays Troy. Uh, Coleman Domingo is William Burke. I th- it's really the Vanessa Williams. She's in this movie. Uh, Anne Marie. And yeah, like Kyle Kaminsky's in it as uh, I think his name's Greedy. But like the first, uh, let's say the first four or five that I said were really the ones that the movie's focus the movie focuses the most on. Where do you want to get going on this, or do you want me to start this? Do you have a do you have a thought? So yeah, like you said, when we did the trailer park, I don't think we were uh, as keyed in on how much Jordan Peele was involved in it. We knew that this was the first movie coming out of monkey paw productions or monkey paw studios. Sorry. I don't remember how, exactly what it's called. I know it's monkey paw, but um, the first movie coming out of his production company that he wasn't directing. So we were like, Oh, okay. Like, you know, I'm not as familiar with this director, but if he is putting this out and he's going to be involved and it's coming from his kind of studio and this is the first outing of that studio since, us yeah i think with that i was like that's a pretty strong co-sign and i'm sure he's not going to let it get out there and be like total bullshit and like you said especially he has an affection for the story and he loves the movie and he's a huge horror fan mm-hmm. so i was like okay i if he's backing it then i can get on board but knowing now that like oh he wrote this shit and and watching it play out and especially uh, some of the moments in the, in the movie, I'm just like, okay, I can, I can see his touch here and there. And I, I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. Especially like early on in the movie, there's some comedic moments that I'm just like, this comedy is hitting. So I'll start with that. I think the writing in this movie is really strong, really appreciated the characters and the dialogue it was really well written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they gave these characters enough there for me to like actually like care about what was going on. Yeah. Yeah, like everybody like really like kind of shined on screen. Like I don't feel like anybody really took away from another performance. Like it seemed like it was very well balanced, which is not something that you always see. I'll hit a few different points uh in terms of the writing. Like one just based on characters, everyone in this movie does a phenomenal job and as far as the main characters go, they do a great job of making you like care about them. In particular, your main character, Anthony. Yah Abdul Mateen is amazing. Like he is so good in this movie. And he has multiple scenes where you're just like, man, he's acting the shit out of this. And Tiana Paris has some really awesome scenes. Like I feel like everyone at some point has a scene where you're like, they're stealing, they're stealing the show right now. There are, I think, some horror tropey stuff with smaller characters where they're clearly just there to be fodder. And we'll, we'll get to that later. But as far as characters go, as far as dialogue goes, I think it's all excellent. And then I don't want to get too spoilery, but the writing for the story, I think, is really good. I've seen a lot of people talk about how they think this movie is like, quote unquote, too woke and shit like that. And one Candyman, the original one, like in some ways was quote unquote woke or whatever. Like Candyman is commenting on a lot of things that I think are still relevant. I think that this movie is a perfect way to comment on uh, like a lot of the issues going on right now and not have it feel forced. Like I felt watching uh, the five bloods, like Spike Lee was like forcing in a lot of shit where he's just like the movie's going on. And then he's just like, Hey, and Donald Trump's a scumbag. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> but but that has nothing to do with the movie. Right. And I feel like this movie is a great vessel for that. And it feels really organic. And then on top of that, just if you're just a fan of Candyman, 
this movie does a great job of expanding the lore while not destroying the stuff from the past. And I think it, it balances the two perfectly. I left the movie feeling like I got pretty much everything that I wanted out of a Candyman movie from this movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, you know, it's always weird with like remakes, horror movie remakes in a time where the remakes are so bountiful. There's so many of them. Uh And I think there's a lot of exhaustion around them. And especially when you're revisiting what it would be considered a classic. And I also think that Candyman, the original does not get the praise that it deserves. That is a horror classic, but it's not talked about as much as others. And I think that is wrong. Uh I think it needs to be in that discussion. That's like a go-to horror movie, especially like this time of year, like spooky season, watch that movie. It's a great movie. I think that has been proven to be a very difficult thing to tread and balance. And I think this movie does it very well. I think it's updated. Well, I at no point felt like it was being too preachy or anything. And I think too, with like all of Jordan Peele's movies have some sort of social political context. And I think those also do a good job of letting it be not necessarily subtle, but it's not the main focus of what's happening on screen. It's not the main drive of the story. Uh It is an undertone throughout. And I think that's almost played more real to life. Like a lot of times in life, like when those things play out, it's not as in your face. It's a little bit more, you know, behind a mask when those certain like injustices or things, whatever it is that they are commenting on in that, in that scene, or if that movie is targeting one specific idea, a lot of those things do happen in like a subtextual kind of way. So I think this movie does, does that the same. I think there is a little bit more subtext when it comes to that commentary. I think there are obvious moments where it is more in your face and it it does come to light, but never did it feel like it was in a preachy way. Like it all served the story that was being told in the moment. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't feel like I was beating over the head with it at all. Yeah. I feel like there's people that feel that way that they are being beaten over the head. I, I did not feel that at all either. Like I, I saw that it was there, but it felt organic to the story. And then, like I said, knowing the source material and uh, the things that the original comments on, uh, like it didn't bother me. I felt like it was, it was on brand writing all, all around. I, I was very impressed with it. And then just this will branch off into a lot of other things, but from a technical standpoint, this movie is firing on all cylinders. Yeah. Within the first, I would say five minutes of this movie, I was, it, it, I was so refreshed because I was just like, man, that there's those moments when you go and see a movie and immediately you can tell like the people that made this thing are freaking masters of their craft. Like they are so good. And the cinematography is amazing on this movie. Mm. Oh my God. Absolutely. Like I don't want to just, I would like to hit all these things one at a time, but like between that and the sound design and the score and like, like the writing and uh, it's just, it's also good. The style of the movie, I, I want to talk about it all, but just technically from a technical film standpoint, this movie fucking rips. Like I was so into it. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, fucking hundred percent style out the ass. Like very clearly, Yeah, so many interesting shots and like the way they use mirrors and stuff, which obviously, again, like it's one thing to have beautiful shots or interesting camera work in a movie, but it's another thing to know 
when to use that and how does this like how do we use the camera to help move the story forward and and keep make it make sense like are we doing this just to just to do a cool trick with the camera or is there a storytelling element that makes sense to fit this and i think that's the big difference between just like fancy shots and like brilliant cinematography uh-huh. like you're you can tell that story with the camera and like the way that certain certain scenes the way that it's shot and how it like is playing off of mirrors which makes sense because of how the mirror relates to the character of Candyman and like things things like that that kind of thought as like you know not just shooting the horror straight on but using this kind of Hitchcockian idea of sometimes it's scarier not to see what's happening you mm-hmm. just hear or like you see it from a, an off angle and then them being like, well, it's Candyman. Let's use mirrors. Let's use reflections as a way to fuck with the audience. And let's put the camera places that you wouldn't normally see the camera. Let's put the camera on the floor in a corner or let's put it all the way pulled back, you know, miles away from a, a building and you watch from outside the window. That shot <sighs> by far my favorite <laughs> from the entire movie. There was multiple moments in this movie where like, there was a shot, something happened, and I like sat back in my seat and I was just like, oh, <laughs> like goo. <laughs> yeah. And now that, that was one of them. The first time I saw it, I was just like, oh, so good. <laughs> yeah. Dude, that scene was real. That's that might be my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Now let's get let's let's do kills when we get to like spoilers and stuff. But yeah, I, I will say just again, going off of kind of what you're saying, uh, the camera's used uh so well and with purpose. And then on top of that, I think the camera also uh, is used very differently throughout like key moments in the movie and in terms of the kills, which I'm not going to get into them, but like none of them feel redundant because they're all done creatively, extremely different. And uh, yeah. And yeah, that one scene is like so cool. I'll, I'll talk. This is my favorite score of the year. I love the music on this movie and I think it's similar to Joker in that the music in this movie is not only like really good, but this music emphasizes the feel of the movie. And when you go back and listen to the score, which I have, it gives off a feel like a really like eerie, uh, downtrodden like vibe to it. And it's not really like music that I enjoy listening to <laughs> at the same time. Like I'm what I've listened to the score multiple times and every single time listening to it, I'm like, it's like giving me chills. Cause I'm thinking about like how good, like the movie was and just like, man, this music is perfect. And yeah, it, there's been a couple movies where I'm like, oh, I really like the score on this movie. But then after watching this movie, I'm like, that's the best music I've, I've heard in a movie all year. Yeah. I, I haven't thought I, I loved the music in this, but I haven't thought about like, how it stacks up against other other scores from this year. See, I feel like this hasn't been a very score heavy year. Like obviously all these movies have a score, but like not a lot have stood out to me. This is like the first one that like does stand out. Maybe a quiet place to I, I did love the the Green Knight score though. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that might be. I think the Green Knight would probably be like my number two, honestly. Yeah. I, I agree with you, but this is I feel like every year there's a couple movies where the score just stands out so much amongst the movie. Um, like I, I had mentioned Joker Tenet was, was one for me last year. Oh, this, this actually year, do you know, my favorite 
score already. I haven't seen the movie, but I've been listening to the score for Dune because it's out already because the movie's supposed to have been out. Yeah. So I, what I'll do is when I wait for Logan to get off the bus, I sit outside and I'm reading Dune and I put on the score for the movie and I just get hyped. <laughs> Dude, it's awesome. And then, yeah, like just going off of uh, the points that I was making in terms of just style, one thing in particular that I love and it's more of like an artsy type thing, but um, there are scenes in this movie where instead of choosing to just do a flashback or something like that, that would probably be considered more cliche. They, they cut to these uh, like really artsy scenes of shadow puppets and oh, yeah. I love them. Like for whatever reason, the aesthetic of it, I thought looked so cool. It actually was very reminiscent for me of the three brothers, um, animation that happened in Harry Potter seven part one, um, mm. which that's, th- it's either 3d or 2d animated. It's not shadow puppets, but just like the way the art looks and the characters, it, it was very similar. And I love that. And then in this, I, I was so into it and the credits have a full, like the length of the credits is played with a, a shadow puppet animation. And every time that I went and saw the movie, I sat through the whole credits to watch it. Cause I didn't like this so much. Nice. Yeah, that's really cool. I, we sat through the credits too when when Meg and I saw it. We were just we usually do that, just not even looking for anything else. We're just like sitting there and just hanging out a little while and talking about it before we get going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked those. I thought it was cool. It wasn't a huge positive for me. It wasn't a negative at all. But it wasn't something that was like whoa, you know, like blowing me away. Um, yeah, I did think it was cool. I did like that storytelling. Like. Instead of it just being like somebody sitting in a room recounting a story or whatever, like having that visualization, I think it, uh, it breaks it up and makes it interesting. And especially because the movie centers around art and an artist, um, it made sense to have like these different art forms. And, and it kind of connects to a character that's in the movie. But uh-huh. I think we should start talking spoilers. Okay. So it's about that time. There's a character in this movie. Kind of, he's kind of like an old timer local, and he plays a big role in the end of the movie, especially. Mm-hmm. I did not love th- what that character was or how that character kind of played into things. Uh, mm-hmm. This, like around the third act, things start falling apart a little bit for me. I agree. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it just kind of seems. So it's revealed that this guy who basically put our main character on to the Candyman stuff. And he's been telling him the stories is kind of like he's, he's fucking shit up. He's, he's the one who's like getting this shit started and um, he's kind of crazy. He, he does some wild shit. And that's even still without spoiling too much. Like it spoils a reveal, but not telling you exactly what he's doing. But like, it just kind of seemed like, not necessarily out of nowhere because I kind of suspected it from early on. Like when he goes, when he breaks into like that area that's gated off and that guy is just in there. I'm like, Oh, this is, this guy's suspicious. Like I don't, I don't trust him. I don't trust his motives. Uh And it's also kind of, kind of like, well, yeah, that's how you should think when you're like watching a horror movie. You're like, Ooh, I don't know about this one. So that wasn't like too big of a surprise, but it also didn't, feel necessary considering like all these other things that were going on. Like I didn't feel like it was much of an explanation 
and it just kind of seemed like disjointed. And then so much stuff just, it, it felt like it was this really cool, like slow pace, like this build up, not necessarily a slow burn, but like it seemed well paced for so much of the movie. Then the third act comes and it's just like a slapdash. Like it's very rushed, very rushed. Just bunch of shit happens. Let's wrap this up in 15 minutes and get the fuck out of here. And I, it just, it kind of like falls apart a little bit there. Yeah. For, for me, I have two main issues with the movie and one is just the third act is way too rushed. And I feel like a lot of times we're like, this movie was too long, but this movie is about probably 10 minutes too short. Like, I think they could have really flushed out the third act a little bit because they present this idea in the third act. Um, and I'm cool with the idea that they throw in there. Um, but I think that you have to explore it a little bit and they don't at all. And then it's just like the, a bunch of things happen at once. And then the movie, like, this didn't bother me. I actually really, really like the way the end, the movie ends. It just ends super quickly. Like there's one line of dialogue, black screen Candyman, And that last line they deliver like works on multiple levels. I really like that. But yeah, yeah. The end, the end is just, the end is just way too rushed. And I think just a little bit longer, like I'm hoping that there's a director's cut version of this movie that's slightly longer. And there's maybe like one other scene or something towards the end, because I completely agree. The, if the ending wasn't so rushed, I w- this would have been probably uh, an, like a grade or two higher for me. But it, it it does bring it down. It is clearly the weakest link of the movie, and I think anyone who sees it is probably going to think that as well. They're going to be like, "Yeah, man, this the ending. Like, what the fuck happened there?" <laughs> yeah, it does kind of fall apart a little bit there. Yeah, like I don't know. I there were some things so like Meg and I were talking about it, and she had like a lot of really good points about like better use for certain characters or just like small changes that you could have made to make it make a little bit more sense. Like how does like, I have a girlfriend, you have a girlfriend, anybody who's has a significant other, if you have some sort of thing going on with you, especially like a medical issue, they're going to be like, yo, like you need to go to the doctor and be like, no, I'm fine. And be like, fuck you. I'm making you an appointment. Yeah. <laughs> like homeboy, like half his body is fucking, decaying like zombie style you don't think what these people nobody ever looked at him and was just like dude you need to go to a hospital right now your skin is literally falling off you have a giant hole in your hand i mean he does eventually but still even that it's just like how did it get to that point like how is it uh that's a very minor thing that's not really like a complaint like oh my god what a terrible movie yeah that's it that didn't bother me just because i felt like once, once your main character kind of gets, uh, gets this muse, gets inspired by the Candyman, he's kind of on his own own mission for a lot of the movie, and a lot yeah. of the things in his life go by the wayside. And one of those is kind of his relationship. He he's not fully there. Even the moments when he is physically there, he's not really there, present in his in his head. Um, and and then, but also like she's kind of doing her own thing also. Like she is an inspiring, uh, I think she's a curator, right. For galleries. But I mean, yeah, I think she's not fully there as well because I think, I think they're both like very career focused in the movie. And I think she's trying to do her thing and they're not there together. But I think like at 
to, basically when they like leave, she's basically just like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like type thing. And then, but the one person that I was like, why aren't they like, dude, go to the fucking hospital is when it's revealed later on in the movie, when he goes to see his mom, his mom sees him. And at that point, the thing's going up his neck and up to his head. <laughs> and, and, yeah. and she's just like, Anthony, what are you doing? Here? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Like, what do you, Send him to the hospital. He's turning into a beehive. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. It's like, yeah, there there are some things that as as it gets later in the movie, they there seems to be a little less, I don't want to say care because there's obviously a lot of care behind the movie, but there is, I think some things are just kind of um, abandoned a little bit mm-hmm. later and maybe that's for the greater good of other scenes or other moments or other things that they wanted to complete. And maybe some things are still open so that they can do another one. I don't know if that's something that they want to do or something that they considered or what the deal is there. I don't think they have to. You think they have to? No, I don't think they have to. I think this oh, is, you don't think this is a great movie to stand on its own. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Like there's just, it gets a little sloppy in the end. And it, at that point it was kind of like, well, that's disappointing. Cause I really liked so much of what was going on before and it doesn't take away from like how great the camera work is and, and all of the technical aspects of it. But from a, from a story element, I think it does take a noticeable shift towards the end. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, I just don't think it played out strong for me. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I definitely feel like, like I said, I hope there's a director's cut of it. Cause I, I don't think that this movie, like the third act is far off from being considerably better. I think it, I think one or two more scenes um, would have gone a long way. And I'm like, I'm kind of cool with uh, some things just happening. Um, Cause even the original Candyman, there's a lot left unanswered, like why these things happen and stuff like that. So right. I'm not, uh, I'm not upset with that. It's just when it comes to, character motivations more so that feels very slapped together uh mainly mainly with the uh the william burke character uh the older guy and it's just a lot too much happens in too short of a time but uh i have one more negative on the movie and i guess peppered in with these this negative we can hit some stuff that is a positive and it it does come in with the kills Oh yeah, the kills are great. The kill the kills are awesome. The my issue with them as a whole it may, it may not even be the the ones specifically, but I feel like maybe there should have been one more kill in this movie that actually happened to a character of substance because all the characters that die are just fodder characters, none of them really mean anything and yeah. I think that it, it would have gone a long way to have a character that the main character cared about be affected by this um, just from like an emotional standpoint, because none of the characters that die you feel for, which doesn't make them particularly like, I think they're impactful from a standpoint of like that is gnarly or that looks really cool. Um, But none of them is just like, no, I don't want that person to die. Like the people that die are like these scumbag art characters. Like, and they, they do the, uh, the trope of like, Oh, they're going to have sex, even though they're adults. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah. Another one is this, this, uh, curator art critic 
uh, yeah, she's an art critic. She shows up and she shits on his work. So you don't care about her. And then the other one of these, these high school girls, which I think they showed it in the trailer for it, but um, the high school girls, they, you know, one of them shows up early on in the movie and then they don't show up for about an hour. I, I pretty much forgot it. They were even in the movie until they showed up at the end. It felt like it was just, where can we throw this scene? And the scenes on yeah. the, the scenes on their own are awesome. Uh, it's just, they're not characters that mean anything. And I think to make them a little bit more impactful, it would have been nice to have one character bite the bullet that you actually, that maybe you didn't want to, to die or they didn't deserve to, to die. Like I was thinking like either like the boyfriend or like the boyfriend's, uh, husband or boyfriend or whatever, like yeah. someone that was tied to him or his mom. I, I don't know. Someone like that, that actually meant something where he, he could be like, you know, fuck this thing that I caused is hurting the people around me type thing. Right. Um, but that's my only issue. If you want to get into the kills now though, the, the kills that are, are on screen are fucking awesome. Dude, the kills are awesome. I do have something. All right. So we can talk kills, but I do have a, um, a note to make on this movie that involves those high school girls and that scene that where they're killed and everything. Okay. I think there's a change that they could have made with one, why we're seeing the high school girls getting murked and like kind of story things that might kind of sell the narrative a little bit better. So you see the one girl at the beginning at the art show. That's how she finds out about the Candyman thing. Then, then we don't mm-hmm. see her again until like this scene. And it just, it's kind of there for nothing. Like it's just there for the kills. Like they're non-consequential characters. It doesn't do anything to push the story along at all. It's just extra kills. Very cool. Very cool scene. I mean, I know the reason behind it. Cause the cops start to look after him after that, like after that kill, they're like, Hey, all these kills have happened that are linked to this guy's art installation. Like we think he's a suspect and, and that's why they go after him. That's why the cops show up later on in the movie. But well, my argument would be he should have been a suspect way earlier on. It happened at his at his art showing by his art installation. And it happened to two people that he was seen by numerous people screaming at before he left. And he was drunk and angry. He should True, have been yeah. suspect number one from the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and then the next, the next person who, who dies is the art critic who talked shit on him. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he should have already been suspect. Number one, what I think they should have done was he was already brought in for questioning. And while he was brought in for questioning, the high school incident happened. So now like we suspect you of this, it's too sketchy, blah, blah, blah. And then like somebody comes in, they're like, Hey, like all hands on deck. We need to go to the school now. Now he's absolved because they're just like, okay, well maybe it's not this guy because four people or five people just got killed. Like kids just got killed at the high school. So if this is the guy who's killing these people, and this just happened over here, it's probably this probably isn't the guy. Let him go. Mm-hmm. So like he just like skates away like that. I think that would have been a more interesting dynamic, and it would have made more sense as to why what the purpose of the kids being there was. Like that that that's basically the alibi. You know, I was in police custody when these murders happened. So yeah, it's not me. It's connected, and he's like it might be connected like in some way to the art, but. I'm not doing it. And then that would kind of allow him 
the rest of the movie to kind of roam free, figure out more of this stuff. And then when shit pops off and gets crazy, it's more of an explanation as to why weren't the cops at his door earlier? Like, I feel like they should have been after like knocking on his door by kill two. And then, like I said, now, now the high school girl's murder adds another wrinkle to the mystery behind what's going on. Yeah. I'm here for that idea. And I feel like if they know that he's innocent and then still at the end of the movie, the cops come and then just like, kill him right then and there, like knowing that he's not the guy, like you still have the same effect there uh, where he was wrongfully killed. Right. And then kind of like the narrative of like how the police are just like, well, we'll just make this fit our storyline yeah, because it's our word against yours. And it's just like, whatever we thought he might've been it. Like it's an easy answer. Just say it was him. Mm-hmm. Call it a day. Yeah. That could have worked. I didn't even think about that, but that definitely probably would have uh, made the third act at least like feel because the first time I saw the movie, I felt to myself like the part with the girls was cool, but um, it wasn't necessary. And then like it was either the next time I saw it or when I thought about it, I was like, oh, but that's actually what like prompts the cops to finally start looking for him. Um, so like I'm here for that scene being in there. But yeah, they, it's weird that there was never like a scene where like they were even deciding like maybe we should question this guy because like the whole time it's on the news they're like yeah these people were killed uh you know right next to this dude's art installation or like with this thing like they just wrote a piece about it or they had because i think the girls have either the i think the girl took like the instructions of how to like experience the piece so i think she had that on her when she died too yeah do you want to get into specifics of the kills though yeah, we can talk, hit on a couple of them. I wouldn't want to spoil all of them, but, you know, we've touched on a few of them. That first kill, mm-hmm. well, I guess it's not the first kill because you do see one, well, you don't see one person dies, but you know one person dies right in the beginning, the opening scene. Yeah. But the uh, the art installation one. Oh, so good. So good. And so, and there's even like a little bit of comedy in the kill itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought that was, that was brilliant. And talk about, utilizing these camera tricks based on who this character is and what this character is. I thought, I thought that that was really well done. Yeah. And super, super bloody splashy scene. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think that a lot of people are probably, that's probably going to be their favorite scene as far as kills go, just because that is the, like the gore fest scene in the movie. It's definitely bloody. Um, I mean, and there's a lot of really cool things The the part where the, the screen is getting cut and in the mirror, you could see him. But then if you look at the actual one, it, you only see it getting cut by like nothing. And then it drops right. uh, really, really cool stuff. I love that scene. I think that's a really awesome scene. My favorite one is actually the one we were talking about earlier with the art critic. Yeah, that's my number one. And how the camera just pulls back. and you, Yeah, and you see it from just way far out. It was really cool. That one was great. Loved that. And the scene kind of tricks you into thinking that like, oh, maybe she didn't do it. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it shows her go into the room and you're like, bitch, no, don't fucking do it. What the fuck is wrong with you? And then he's dealing with his thing with his reflection in the hallway mm-hmm. getting weirded out and crazy. And then she comes out and you're like, oh, oh, maybe she didn't. Everything's good. Because even he thinks that that's what she's doing. And he's like, oh, fuck, like, I got to go check on her. Yeah. And then it comes out and nope, it's not the case or whatever. And you're like, you get like a second of relief. And then that, yeah, the camera starts pulling away. And then it's like her body just like lifts up into the 
to the air and she's choking and I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> she gets dragged across across the glass. <laughs> so cool to I felt like that's like a very Jordan Peele type of thing to like do there, like that little trickery and be like, not nah, hold like hold back a little bit and let them think it is bad and then give them this false sense of security and then rip it away from them like a second later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I dug that. I think a lot of the kills in this movie probably play more on like in terms of that like psychological um like kind of like false sense of security or playing with like not showing everything like trying to make it scarier i i will say this if you're the type of horror fan that really likes jump scares or like really likes a really scary movie you might not like this as much because this isn't a negative for me because um, if you listen to the show, you know that I don't give a shit about jump scares and I don't really give a shit of whether or not the movie's like really scary or not. Just give me a good movie. Right. Uh, but I don't think this is the scariest movie. Like I've actually recommended it to a few people that I know don't like horror movies because they don't like jump scares. And I'm like, you could probably watch this. It's really not that scary. And uh, so I, I feel like a lot of the kills are more in line of like maybe a little bit more artsy than your typical like trash. But for those reasons, I actually like them more because it didn't scare me, but it made me be like, wow, that's really cool. Like that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely into it. Well, I don't really have much else because there, there's some other kills, but like, I don't want to go too insane into it. So mm-hmm. do you, sir, have some tomato tomatoes for the boy and the listeners, I guess I do have some tomato tomatoes. They might surprise you. Tomato, tomato, the critics, they're bringing this in at an 84%. 84? Not bad. And it's a B. Tomato, the audience, they're bringing this in at a 72. Wow. Kind of surprised by that. Almost felt like audiences would get really into this, especially, you know, given us being closer to the spooky season, this being a spooky movie. Huh, 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 huh. Well, I would have to say tomato. Okay. I, I liked this movie. I liked this movie a lot. I thought it was really good, but it had it had its things where afterwards, and we're talking about the movie, like uh, Meg and I, we were like, yeah, like I don't know why they did this. There's just some things where I felt like it kind of got slapped together and it, little, it fell apart a little bit mm-hmm. at the seams. And I was okay with letting some things go by, but when other bigger things happen and I'm just kind of like, well, I can't forgive that. And then that makes it harder to forgive the other things. So I go into tomato. I gave this a B plus. Nice. Nice. I realized this shortly after the movie came out. I think I am way higher on this movie than most people, uh, because I went tomato and I gave it an a minus. Okay. This movie is easily like easily top three for the year at the moment for me. Like I love this movie. If it wasn't for the very like haphazardly third act and feeling thrown together, mm-hmm. it probably would have been an A, honestly. That's how much I was enjoying it because I think this movie has something to say, which unfortunately a lot of movies don't. And style out the ass. It's probably one of the best looking movies of the year. I love the feel of it. I love the score. There's kills in it that are like executed in ways that you wouldn't normally see. And on top of that, like, I think if you're a fan of Candyman, I think this does a great job of, like I said earlier, expanding the lore, but not uh, like ruining anything. I think it's very respectful in that way. And also, we didn't even mention this, but like the third act for me, like as thrown together as it is, the last minute of it 
has a lot of stuff that is awesome. Like you, you get a visual that Candyman fans are going to be like, fuck yeah, that's, that's what I wanted. And then, like I said earlier, the last line of dialogue delivered in the movie works in the movie, but also on like kind of like political social level. And it's very relevant. And for me, like I wasn't digging the third act, but I still left at the end. Like I felt like the last minute or so was very powerful and yeah, man, a minus. I, I really, really like this movie. Hell yeah, dude. It was a good time. And I think it came at a great time and uh, kind of signifies a start of maybe getting some better movies now. Uh-huh. At least I'm hoping because yeah, we got, we got a lot to look forward to. You know, we talked about last night in Soho because you know, today we were talking candy, man. Uh-huh. So it just makes sense that that was the trailer we did and everybody knew it as well as me. And, um, I think that this, uh, this was like a really like good feeling leaving the theater. I was like, cool. And because of the runtime, you know, like I agree with what you said, you probably could have added like 10 minutes just to help clarify or like maybe not rush the ending so much, but you know, it's refreshing, but yeah, no, like this was like really digestible. It was really, I think it delivered on the gore or I wouldn't even want to say gore because there's not a lot of gore. It's not a very gory movie. But it delivered on like the horror and the kills and the suspense of it. And this might be like this might be the best horror movie remake I've ever seen. Like I have to really like look and see if that that holds up for me. Actually, I think John Carpenter's The Thing is technically a remake. There was a it is. Yeah, his his one is a remake. Okay, so that's the best (laughs) one. But a lot of people don't know that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But this this is close up there, at least for the modern horror movie remakes, because you hear so much about so many of them. Like, I'll take this any day over pretty much anything. Definitely better than like Pet Cemetery. Yeah. I wouldn't even say this is like a remake. This is it's more of like, I guess this is a reboot. Reimagining of sorts. We Well, yeah, I was going to say we didn't say this, um, but you don't need to see the first Candyman to appreciate this movie. Um, I know people who went and saw it who hadn't, and this movie does a good job of summarizing the events of the first movie. But I will say if if you have seen the first movie, there's going to be things that you appreciate a lot more. Um, Because obviously there's characters that show up and stuff like that. But I would say this is a reboot. It's weird to call it like a sequel, but I I guess technically it is a sequel. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's a remake because they're expanding on things that happened from the first movie. Yeah, fair enough, man. Well, fucking a, what a good time. Super happy to be doing that. Kicking off October, right? Even though I guess maybe the last episode came out in October. So, <laughs> so it's not really a kickoff. Yeah. We were late releasing that as we've we've been busy boys and uh, releasing pretty late on a lot of things. But I'm almost done with my busy, busy work. A lot of that's slowing down in the next week or two. So we'll get back on track right in time for all of these fucking heater movies to come out. These fucking hot fire. Yeah. To come out. Cause October is going to be October is basically the, the summer cram, but for movies that we've been dying to see. So stay tuned, follow us on social media at two dudes, movie reviews, go to two dudes, movie reviews.com sign up for the newsletter. We just put out another one for October. Had some, had some good stuff in there and there's more to come every month. So get signed up for that and you know, it's free. It's just some extra content, some extra written reviews, maybe some kind of more jokey columns. I got a, 
a reoccurring movie pitch corner that I've been <laughs> been doing <laughs> when I think of really dumb ideas. Basically, if I could think of a pun for a uh, movie sequel for like a franchise that already exists, I will write up a plot for it <laughs> and put that in the newsletter. <laughs> we were talking uh, off mic, but like, what do you what do you guys think about this idea? Because we were talking about possibly doing something where it's like this is the script to to a made up fast and furious movie <laughs> we like write a scene out <laughs> yeah we yeah we just write like dialogue and like write out one scene for like a fan fiction fast and furious yeah the quadruple f it's <laughs> just a quick scene between a couple of characters some some light dialogue and that's that's the whole segment i love that idea I think it's a good idea. And you know what's great about it is it would take no effort because that's how much goes into an actual Fast and Furious movie. <laughs> yeah. It'd be funny like to just write a fake scene and then write and then just put in a real scene like back to back and be like, which one's the real one? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of like the game. That's the game that we played. Yeah. Whereas like you got to mm-hmm. guess like which movie it's from or if I made it up. Yeah. And the ones that are in the movie are way worse than the ones I made up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that was Hobbs and Shaw. We played that game. Downstairs longingly at a Dodge Charger and then decides to charge it with his wiener. Oh, don't, don't waste it on here. Save it for the newsletter. <laughs> that's gold. <laughs> that's, that's newsletter gold, baby. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You guys, you guys know what's up. Hit it and then quit it. And on that note, suck it, Swampies. Swampies.